This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's podcast, quite possibly for me, the wildest podcast I've ever done in 204 episodes. Started out perfectly innocent enough. I have Greg Thompson from Cover One on, and we were talking about the Buffalo Bills and free agency, the NFL first day of legal tamper in advance of official free agency, which begins Wednesday afternoon. But anyway, deals getting done all over the place. And we're talking Buffalo Bills, and maybe 15 minutes before we started taping, we started recording at around 10 p.m. on Monday night, roughly 10, 15 minutes before we started recording. The Bills, who had done nothing all day, went out and signed linebacker A.J. Klein, which kind of threw off the direction we were going in a little bit, but we adjusted, however, live on the air as we're recording about a little less than halfway through, the Bills went out and made one of the biggest, quite possibly the biggest trade in the history of the franchise. They go out, they trade for Stefan Diggs. That trade happened literally in the middle of the segment with me and Greg. So we had to react on the fly. It was just craziness. Couldn't believe it happened. So the reaction that we get, it's unedited, live, raw, really cool stuff there. So plenty of Bill stuff, plenty of NFL. Greg Thompson from Cover One. I'll have that for you in just a minute. Before that, I want to let you know that today's show is being supported by Audimute. For nearly two decades, Audimute has set the standard for providing cutting-edge acoustic treatments for recording and sound environments. From your home studio to commercial settings, such as the office, restaurants, gyms, and auditoriums, Audimute is the best sound treatment company out there. That's because they refuse to compromise on the quality of their products and service ever. Easy, green, affordable. My home studio has Audimute acoustic panels, and the difference has literally been remarkable night and day. Look, don't just throw up foam on your walls, decide it looks pretty, and call it a day. It might look the part, but it's not going to improve your sound. Visit Audemute.com for info and deals, including a free room analysis form and the ability to speak with an acoustic specialist. Do your sound. Do the people who hear it a very big service. Go visit Audemute.com. And on that note, let's do it. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now... Here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, everyone, how you doing? Episode 204, Moranalytics Podcast. Thank you, as always, for continuing to listen, download the show, appreciate you. Going to get right into it today. I got my man Greg Thompson from Cover One with me, and I'm going to let people know right off the bat here, Greg. This is a very loose, a very fluid taping. It's day one of NFL free agency tampering legally. We're taping this literally at 10 o'clock. And I thought we were good with moves for the day. 
but very much so not the case. We'll talk about those in a minute. Anyway, how you doing, man? It's been a while since I uh, had a chance to talk to you on the pod. How you doing? I do great, man. Had a had a good day today. Pretty much, you know, in line with everybody else, waiting for that first shoe to drop. And uh, little did we know it would be thirty seconds before we dialed in. Yeah. And by the way, so you're the host now. I've always called you the co-host of Cover One Podcast. For the time being, though, you're actually the host. You're doing it solo for a while, so even more of a workload for you, man. How, how's it? Uh, how's it hanging over there doing the pod? It's been good, man. We, we've had a lot of guests on, had a yeah. lot of different people going back and forth and just done, uh, switched over to some shorter, quick burst shows that have been working out really well. So uh, Aaron's had a lot of really good things going on in, in his personal life. Sure. So that's that's a good thing and staying connected with everybody, but uh, certainly looking for uh, you know more exciting things to come here in the future. How things been for you? Now, you're not in Buffalo, right? You're Correct. like my me. home base is down here in Atlanta. How's it been? Well, so you're that's right. You are south down here with me. How's it been with everything going on? Because this is just like a, an unprecedented, crazy time that just seems to be getting crazier, like quite literally by the day. Thank God we're going to have some football. Yeah. And we're, fortunately, at least we're going to have some football to talk about because that's what we do. But thank God for football in the offseason right now because we wouldn't have anything to talk about with sports like i said it's just uh it's getting crazy and it's getting to a point where it's starting to affect people's lives personally yeah you know i'm certainly in that same boat just kind of reading everything that's out there certainly not an expert on anything that's there but it's you know the more information that comes out kind of the scarier that it gets so you know i certainly try to be a level-headed person i'm not a natural you know panicker or anything like that but i i don't have any choice but to be careful here. I have a lot of elderly family. My son has, you know, kind of an immunocompromised situation going on. So we have to be very conscious of what's happening here and can't take any precautions. So, you know, we did all the normal stuff, kind of, you know, hunker down here, have a freezer full of extra stuff and are ready just in case something happens. And we're just going to try to be courteous and careful, keep our distance from people, wash our hands and, and hope that, everything was a bit of an overstep and it doesn't get as bad as some of the projections are because some of the information that's out there is a little scary. Yeah, it is for sure. And I'm getting to a point now where I need to take it serious. By the way, I have COPD. So if anyone should be taking it serious, is somebody like me for sure. And like I said, it's starting to have those ramifications and consequence. For an example, my son, and I, I know you know this, he plays high school football down here in Florida. He's a junior getting ready to go into his senior year and down here in Florida, spring football is where it's at. That's where all the colleges come down. It's sometimes it's even bigger than the regular season because they're out there on the recruiting trail during that time. So the coaches come down for spring ball late April through their game in May. And I'm not just talking about my son's school, just all the schools down here. That's the way it is. And all these uh, colleges come through here, but I mean, it's not official yet, but it's certainly looking like there's going to be no spring football here late April through May. So it sucks, bro. It, it really it's, does. It's going to be tough. it's going to be a new world for all of us. We're yeah. going to all have a lot of new normal to get used to. I I think that you know I, I do think it's temporary. I do think that you know the human spirit in general. We get over things relatively quickly. We get used to things. But there's a lot of stuff that we just assume are going to happen as normal. That it's going to be different. But you know, at minimum four to six weeks here and there's a possibility longer that we're just going to have to get used to some different things. That I, I certainly feel for some of the kids who you know, had the lead in their, you know, school musical or were going into their senior season of baseball or, or things that, 
you know, even if we do get back to normal, you know, you can't get missing your senior prom back. You can't get some moments like that. So there are some things that are, are going to be a real shame. Uh, but I, I do think that we're going to bounce back. I think the things will get back to where they were. And we just have to hope the time between now and getting back to normal is as short as possible. Yeah, very well said. And I'll tell you what, let's leave that there because there's enough going on in the world, enough worry that it's a nice break to be able to have an opportunity to, to actually talk about sports. And that's what we're going to do right now, specifically football. And like I said, we're taping this Monday night. It's about 10 p.m. right now. So maybe something might even happen while we're taping this. But literally, I was getting ready to have a theme <laughs> with you where we were going to talk about the Bills. And we still are in terms of them being absent on day one of, I like, it, technically it's not free agency, it's tampering. But the Bills were not active all day long, and there were both sides of the fence. And we'll talk about both those. But, however, again, just before we were getting ready to start taping, we both learned that through from Adam Kaplan reported that A.J. Klein, linebacker from New Orleans Saints, agreed to terms with the Bills. Three years, $18 million. He's reporting $9.7 million of that fully guaranteed. Now, Sean McDermott coached him when he was a defensive coordinator in Carolina. What do you know about the guy? I know some about him. Obviously, he's going to be a Lorenzo Alexander replacement. What's your first thoughts when hearing this? And again, we haven't had a lot of time to really digest this guy <laughs> and break it down because this signing happened literally 15, 20 minutes ago. But what is like, uh, what's your first reaction, your first thoughts of this? Yeah, I mean, you you touched on it. He's a true Zoe replacement. He's a guy, he's played a lot of snaps, you know, so he's played a lot of football for both Carolina and New Orleans, you know, 800 plus snaps, 70, 80% of the, the snaps that have been around uh, in, in that range for him coming out of Iowa State. He's, you know, a big guy, 6'1", 240, so he's a true strong side linebacker, going to be kind of a downhill thumper for a second down guy, plays a lot of special teams. So, you know, he's really checking multiple boxes from, the size, the skill set, the, you know, run down third linebacker guy plus special team. So that's a lot of, you know, Zoe kind of comparisons there. He's similar from an athletic standpoint, doesn't have the skill set from, you know, rotating in as a pass rushing defensive lineman. That That's certainly not where his skill set comes from. But just about the rest of it, he checks all those boxes. It was a reasonable value on the deal, not anything crazy from a uh, expense standpoint um, and is just a guy that has been around and playing solid football for a long time has one thing very dependable, you know, throughout his entire career, he had one season where he played 12 games. Every other season has been 15 or 16. So he's certainly a guy who's consistently available. No major injury history is on the field and plays good football. So it's, uh, it's exciting to be able to finally have our first move. It's probably not the, you know, off the charts, you know, blockbuster deal that people were hoping for. But just for everybody to remember, our first signing last year was Frank Gore. So right. uh, it's cer certainly not the be all end all that this is the first one, but it was a needed move. And now that's one less hole that's out there. Yeah. And I agree. And like you said, I remember last year at times we were signing guys like, uh, like Ty Inseki and John Feliciano. And we were like, uh, Jake Fisher. Yeah. You know, Jake Fisher was literally the next signing. We had Frank Gore, Jake Fisher, and Kevin Johnson were the first three signings last year. <laughs> and people were like, man, they better not hope this is going to fix everything they need to do. Little did they know that Bean was going to go on and sign 20 un unrestricted <laughs> right. prizes. 
you know, I want to temper fans' expectations. We're not going to sign 20 guys this offseason. But I also feel confident that AJ Klein isn't the last signing we're going to hear either. No, and I, I like the move. Again, starter for the last three years in New Orleans. I'm looking at his stats right now. 69 tackles, two and a half sacks, an interception last year. And you got to remember, in this defense, he's not playing every down. The Bills don't have a lot of downs where they play all three linebackers. So he is going to fill that Lorenzo role, like you said. And that contract, to me... Without getting all the details, all we know is that $9.7 million of it's guaranteed. But it sounds very much to me like one of those team-friendly deals that Brandon Bean signed a lot of guys to where he probably could get out of this rather easily after one year, certainly two, if that's the way it would work out. I like it. And I'll tell you one other quick thing, too, about this signing. There's going to be upgrades on this roster, I'm sure, at some positions to come, whether it's through free agency, trades, or definitely the first couple rounds of the draft. But you can make a, a real case that this was like the one position where they didn't have anybody. They didn't have a starter right now to replace Lorenzo Alexander. I know some people are hoping for maybe a right tackle that they consider an upgrade if you can kick Cody Ford inside or another cornerback or something like that. Or obviously a, a third wide receiver and a defensive end. But Trent Murphy's actually the starter, not Shaq Lawson. This was a position where this guy, A.J. Klein, he's coming in. He's, he's not just going to be you know, a guy near the end of the bench, he's probably going to be a starter. Oh, yeah. Now, I mean, he's certainly, you're not paying a guy $6 million to come in and, and watch what's going on. This is Lorenzo Alexander's replacement. Now, maybe we draft a guy that pushes him, and maybe Voshan Joseph or Victor Dotson or whoever has an amazing camp, and all sure. of a sudden it's a luxury. But no, as of right now, as of today, the first time that they line up in an 11-man defensive formation – A.J. Klein's going to be on the field as strong side linebacker. He is the starting linebacker as of today, March 15th or March 16th, 2020. And that's fine. That's what you need. It's, it's no different. That I, I don't expect that to be the last move that happens. I, I think it's very possible we draft a guy that plays linebacker. I think there's some, like I said, I rattled off a couple of young guys. You know, Corey Thompson is going to give that a run as well. There's plenty of guys who are going to compete, but we didn't give him $6 million not to play. Right. And it, he screwed me up because, again, we're doing this on the fly. And, in fact, I'm kind of checking Twitter in between us talking right now just to make sure that I don't miss anything. I was ready to talk about the Bills not signing anybody today before this and being able to go one of two ways because I think there's a fair point for each side for people who are myself. Count me among this first group right here. I think Brandon Bean's being rather smart and thinking about long-term because there's a lot of core players over the next 12 to 24 months or so that they're going to need to extend. So keeping that money and not throwing it around irresponsibly on day one of free agency and having the focus of building guys, your, your nucleus long-term, that's a smart way to do it. We already know about Dawkins and Poyer and Milano and Trey White. And then maybe the year after that, you got to start worrying about Josh Allen. You have to start worrying about Tremaine Edmonds, Micah Hyde at some point too. So there's a lot of good young players on this team right now that, I feel like first and foremost, you got to take care of them. So that's one side of the fence. And let me know what side you kind of fall on here, Greg, because the other side is saying, all right, well, here's the deal, dude. We were 10 and 6 last year, okay? This is a playoff team. Got tons of cap room. The New England Patriots are in big trouble. Tom Brady might not be back. That dynasty might already be crumbled, if not certainly on the verge of crumbling. So this feels like a year where the Bills can contend, win the division, go far in the playoffs. This feels like a year where you got that cap room. 
the green light's on. Go out. Go on and overpay. Go on and spend and go on and get a couple impact day one type free agents. So there's a side, and I feel like there's a fair point to be made on both ends. Like when it comes to those two philosophies, what one do you see yourself kind of like falling more towards? So it's hard because a great deal of my respect for Brandon Bean is because of his discipline and how diligent he is in sticking to the plan. So I respect that. I also think that some of the guys they're looking at that, you know, kicking the tires on Greg Olson, sniffing around with A.J. Green before that got tagged, those kind of things show that they recognize that there is a little bit of a window here before all the extensions kick in that you can add some short-term talent. And I I was debating with people on Twitter, losing their minds that we didn't sign anyone today. I said, well, listen, between the handful of articles I did preparing for this, I listed 29 different players that we should target. Two of them signed today. The only two were Christian Kirksey and Kyle Benoit. That leaves 27 other players that we were targeting. They haven't signed anywhere else. So if that list all ex- you know completely exhausts itself and they've all signed somewhere else and we've added no one, then I'll be upset. But we haven't missed out on any of the people. You know, it's not like Marcus Golden and Bud Dupree and Robert uh, Robert Quinn and you know Dante Fowler and Mario Addison all signed somewhere else. There's still a nice, healthy list of pass rushers that are out there that I really like and think would be a great addition. So if all of those names start to exhaust themselves, then I'll get a little bit more frustrated. If we don't add any you know, kind of impact day one starter. I think there's, you know, you and I have both thrown out there that there, I think there's one healthy splurge signing, you know, maybe 10 million, maybe a little bit more that that's in them here. I think that we're going to see a little bit of that. And then I'll think we'll see some more signings like AJ Klein. I don't think they're done here. I don't think it's going to be 20, but it might be four or five. You know, I think there's going to be a handful of guys added here to get, and then we'll see extensions and then we'll see the draft. But you know, people who are expecting this to come out and guns blazing sign, you know, the four highest paid guys on day one, they just never had healthy expectations to begin with. I agree. That's a good point. I'm circling back to AJ Klein here because, again, this is kind of happening on the fly. Thad Brown, sports reporter in Rochester, has a pretty good take on him. He says, AJ Klein is about as middle of the road of a free agent signing as I can remember for the Bills. Solid linebacker, lots of special team experience, versatility, won't play every down. Making three years, $18 million a bit high. McDermott experience in Carolina coming off a career year. Sounds about right for them. Now, you were talking about pass rushers, so we need to talk about Shaq Lawson. He goes to divisional rival on Miami on day one. Three years, $30 million. He can make up to 36 I think I saw on that contract. And $21 million of that is guaranteed. So the first obvious question I want to ask you is, if you were Brandon B, now obviously Brandon B, decided no or actually that might not even be true maybe the money was there and he decided he didn't want to be there anyway in fact we'll talk about that separately in a second but if you are Brandon Bean right now and it would have costed you three years 30 million 21 guaranteed would you have kept him or would you have let him walk as well no I that that's too much for me for 10 10 million up to 12 million and 21 million guaranteed I need more pass rush um I like Shaq I think Shaq was a nice player who was a really good run defender and a rotational contributor in pass rush. We just had his career best season and his career best was six and a half sacks. The other seasons were four, four and two. That's not $12 million a year to me. And that's one of those things where if I sign him to a reasonable deal and in reasonable in my mind was 
eight million, you know, three years, 24 million. And then you get the bonus that there was some additional untapped upside from a pass rush standpoint that we just didn't see in the first four seasons. And all of a sudden in his fifth or sixth season, he kicks it into a gear we haven't seen. That's awesome. But the Dolphins just paid him where he has to do that for this to net out and for him to be worth the up to $36 million that they signed him for. There has to be things he hasn't done yet because you're certainly not paying for that at a career year of six and a half sacks. So, you know, that's too much for me to bank on that. There's just more untapped potential that we just haven't seen yet. And I, I wasn't upset with that at all for that amount of money. That's what I want to pay Robert Quinn. That's what I want to pay Dante Fowler. I want to pay a guy who has a pass rush history and some juice off that first step. And then I can go find somebody else who can be a good rundown defender. When it comes to Shaq, I don't want to throw any Shaq shade on him on his way out. I'm not usually that kind of guy, but I will say this. I have heard that he was enthusiastic about having an opportunity to go play somewhere else. I'm not going to sit there and say that he hated the city of Buffalo or anything like that, but I think that he had one foot out the door. I don't think the Bills were going to pay him that much money, and I think if it was equal, I don't think it would have mattered anyway. But when it comes to defensive end now, he's gone. Do you think that means Trent Murphy stays? Because there was a lot of speculation, given the fact that the Bills could save, I think it was like over $8 million against the cap if they were to cut, which they still could, Trent Murphy. But now the Shaq's gone. Do you think that Trent Murphy stays? Or do you think they they get rid of both of them and start anew at that position basically after Jerry Hughes? What do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, a couple people I think were drawing a direct line there today that I, I encourage them to temper that and to say that it's not now a guarantee that, oh, Shaq Lawson left, now Trent Murphy is for sure on the 2020 roster. It's just not that simple. Right. Obvi- obviously, Shaq leaving means that it's a higher probability than if Shaq had resigned, but I actually directly projected in my kind of mock-up that we signed Robert Quinn and Mario Addison and let Shaq walk and cut Trent Murphy, and that that's what I projected to happen. So I, I don't think it's crazy to go that route, but let's say instead, and they're not able to land a Fowler or a you know Quinn-level guy of the 10 to 13 million range, and it's a Mario Addison for 6 or 7 million, I could see it being... Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Trent Murphy, and a third-round pick, and we bring in Bradley and I from Utah, and then all of a sudden you go into camp where it's, hey, did Daryl Johnson take another step forward, and he's ready to equal Trent Murphy's contributions on the field, or, you know, and then in which case, hey, that's a bonus. We're making a football decision because Daryl Johnson is as good as Trent Murphy and we're not giving anything up on the field. And hey, here's a bonus $8 million we can save. Or hey, Daryl Johnson isn't quite ready yet. Trent Murphy is, you know, and I've made this case to lots of people that there's a difference between, oh, that guy's a bum and he deserves to be cut because he's not worthy of being on an NFL roster versus hey, I kind of wish we were paying Trent Murphy $5 million instead of $10 million. And, you know, Trent Murphy will be unemployed for like three days. Like he will immediately get picked up and will be a contributing rotational pass rusher for another team because that's what he is. He deserves to be on a roster because he's good enough to be in the NFL. We're just paying him a little bit too much. So my ideal scenario is we sign – you know, Robert Quinn, three years, 36 million. And then we hear the same kind of restructure we just did for Star Latule 
and Tyler Croft, and all of a sudden it's hey, it's actually Trent Murphy for six million, and he's back for this year, and then he gets to go elsewhere, and now all of a sudden everybody feels better about it. One last thing about the Shaq signing too: over the cap rejects uh, a fourth round comp pick for the Bills next year with that signing. And let me say this too about Trent Murphy: he is overpaid and he is underachieved on the whole, but. I thought last year he was fully healthy near the end of the season and he was playing pretty damn well. And in fact, that, great dude, the playoff game. that playoff game gets used and he had two sacks and he was very good. So if that's how he could be healthy over a full season, I'm perfectly fine with keeping that guy. So to reiterate, when it comes to defensive end here, if there is a position, it feels to me, and if I'm wrong, let me know, but it feels to me like if there's a position in NFL free agency right now where you'd be good with Brandon Bean opening up that checkbook and spending a nice chunk of change on a player. It feels to me like you're saying defensive end would be a spot you'd be happy with. A hundred percent. It's, it's maybe the only spot I want to splurge on. Although I can't lie. I got a funny feeling in my tummy earlier when uh, the rumors about Chris Harris came and I started imagining having Trey white and then a competition of Josh Norman and Levi Wallace and a draft pick with Chris Harris either out wide or in the, you know, I, I actually envision it that Chris Harris and Trey would be there in first and second down. And when the nickel came in, he would slide into nickel and then the competition would be outside with Levi Wallace and, and uh, Josh Norman. So Chris Harris would be pretty awesome from a coverage standpoint. Sure. But overall I would prefer, I, we need pass rush. We, we needed pass rush when we had Trent Murphy and Shaq Lawson. Now we don't have Shaq Lawson. We, so not only do we need to replace him, we needed an upgrade anyways. So I, I absolutely want that. People were joking that, you know, I'm fine if we, you know, trade a pick and give $100 million to Yannick Ngakwe and use our first-round pick on a pass rusher. I think it's our biggest need in the overall team. I'd rather do that and get a wide receiver in the second and the fourth round. Were you a little bit surprised to hear the name Chris Harris? And that came like 20 minutes after 12, like just 20 minutes after the tampering period began. Josina, it was Josina, right? Yeah, it was Josina yep, Anderson was. from ESPN. She named four teams in for Harrison. Buffalo was one of them. And the only other name I heard, it might have even been before noon, was that there was going to be interest in Jordan Howard, the running back from Philly, which I very much believe to be true for the record. Uh, I don't know how that's going to play out. He's one of those guys, I don't think you need to go out and get him on day one of the tampering period. I don't think he's going to cost you an arm and a leg or anything like that. He's probably seeing what options are out there, but... I wouldn't be surprised at all if he does end up in Buffalo. But anyway, getting back to Chris Harris, I found that very interesting. I had Bruce Nolan on the show last week, and we were talking about this, and we were like, well, Josh Norman is a very low-risk signing, but by no means should the Bills sign Josh Norman and say, all right, we're going to roll. We got Teron Johnson locked into the nickel spot, and we're just going to have Norman and Levi Wallace battle it out. The fact that Chris Harris, that the Bills are reportedly interested in him, and I think Josina Anderson's a credible reporter, that kind of tells me a lot. They're definitely not done adding, and I'm kind of fascinated by if that were to play out that way, and who knows if it will, unlikely, but it could. If that were to play out that way, I don't know what that tells me. What, if, what does that tell you if Chris Harris comes? If they were to sign Chris Harris, people are listening to this on Tuesday. If Tuesday afternoon he's a Buffalo Bill, what do you think that tells you about the rest of that position? Um. Well, one, I, I think that Bill's fans spent 20 years being conditioned to mediocrity. There's a reason we get so excited about the Brandon Riley's of the world and the Duke Williams of the world is that 
all we've had is rooting for underdogs to overachieve. It's why Freddie Jackson is so beloved in what he is. He he was pretty good. Like Freddie Jackson, you know, if you go and ask a Chargers fan what he thinks of Freddie Jackson, it'll take him 15 minutes to figure out who the heck you're talking about. You know, he's beloved here because he was a great underdog story and was pretty good. So we get tied to these guys like Levi Wallace, like Taron Johnson, like Isaiah McKenzie. And all of a sudden it's realizing that, hey, yeah, they were good enough to be on a roster. They haven't earned anything. We can upgrade all of those guys. We can upgrade all over the uh, Heck, I wouldn't be upset if they signed, you know, you, you had uh, tempered my expectations on Brian Balaga, but, you know, whoever bringing in a, a higher level right tackle and let John Feliciano and Cody Ford fight it out at right guard. I'm, I'm not going to be upset if we just have a really good backup guard that, that isn't in there. I, I want competition. Brandon Bean signed 20 unrestricted free agents last year and had back-to-back actually three straight above-average draft classes that built a ton of depth. We need more high-end starters, and, and I don't care if we bring in guys who are going to bump a former starter into a backup role or multiple former roster guys into one roster battle. I think that very likely we could have Isaiah McKenzie versus Andre Roberts versus Duke Williams versus Robert Foster for one roster spot. And that would be great because that would mean we added three other talented players. So um, I think that what it says is that Brandon Bean knows our roster is good. It's better. It's not good enough. And you need to add more talent. One move that the Bills did make is re-signing Quinn in Spain. They gave him three years, $15 million, four and a half of that guaranteed. I liked that contract when I first heard about it. Wait, wait, wait. This is real. The Bills just traded for Stephon Diggs right now. What? The Bills just traded oh for Stephon Diggs. Oh, my God. There it is. We're on the air. Glazer, real account. Wow. We are on the air right now. <laughs> this podcast might get cut short. I was just going to talk about wide receiver. I'm we're doing this right now on the air. Yeah. This is yeah, unbelievable. This is, live. this is awesome. Keep this in the show. This oh, is this a is real not, reaction. This is staying the up. The Bills just traded for Stephon Diggs. That's right. That's right. I got. I don't even know how to talk right now. <laughs> I had a loss for words. Wow. I, we got to. We got to stay on here and find out what the what the compensation is. This is going to be awesome. I. This is raw. Contract was fantastic to trade for. Fantastic. Oh my god. Wow. That We're, is a fantastic contract to trade for. All day long, Jake Lazier was. They were talking about a trade, and it was going to be bigger with bigger names. And I'm going to be honest with you. When Buckner got traded earlier in the day, I thought that here it is. Adam Schefter, the Bills are trading a first round pick, a fifth round pick. Hold on. A first round, a fifth, a sixth, and a 2021 fourth for Diggs and a 2027th. Wow, that's a lot. They're giving up a first. Well, they're giving up their first round pick. They're giving up Stephon, a. You weren't getting Stefan Diggs at pick 22. Yeah, exactly. I, I love it. That My first instinct is I love it. A fifth, a sixth this year, and a fourth next year for digs and a 2027, which is meaningless. So now the bills have a second, third, fourth, fifth, two sixths, and a seventh. I love year. this trade right off the bat because here's the deal. They were going to go, go defensive end or wide receiver at 22. It had to be one of those two. And I think Stefan Diggs is better than anything. They get at 22. Even if you were in, infatuated with those three receivers, the top prospects at the top, I think, but it, it would have cost you just as much or more to move up. Now you're getting a guy like Diggs. I, I, my first instinct, and again, this is live on the air as this happened. 
what were we just talking about? <laughs> Greg, this yeah, is well, nuts. This we is were so talking wrong. About the, I am the not patient, editing one yeah, second the of this. Patient disciplined approach of uh, Brandon Bean, and then he <laughs> slams us with a hammer here uh, at you know ten thirty at night. Oh, I was I was trying to talk about going in Spain. He's going to have to wait a quick second now, though. I I can't believe it. There it is. There's your bona fide number one receiver. I honestly thought best case if they were going to sign somebody, it would be someone like Rashard Perriman. And I thought maybe they'd have a one A, a one B, and a one C. You know, not no number one. This is there's no debate here. There's your number one wide receiver, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs. I love it. I really do. Wow. Oh, that that's amazing. Stephon Diggs is the perfect kind of player for Josh Allen because his amazing route running and the separation that he creates lets him visually flash open where Josh can use his uh, arm strength to fire the ball in there before the DB can get there because he creates so much separation. It's a it's perfect. Four picks they gave up for him and a, and a seventh, and I I just can't complain. I, I mean, how could you complain about that? That's the one knock against the Bills that we've heard on about this offense. There's no number one wide receiver. That's gone now. I tell you, this is going to put some pressure on Josh Allen. And again, we're literally instantly reacting. It's not like we're having time here to put some notes together to compose our thoughts. This is happening in real time as we're taping this, which I got. I, I, I'm at a loss of words right now. You, <laughs> This is absolutely amazing. It's so much fun to be able to talk about this live. He is it's a fantastic situation. He is still on a very nice contract that we have under contract control for multiple years. You're able to bring him in where they've already paid the healthy chunk of it. He signed a five-year, $72 million deal. Four of those years are still left. All you're paying is four years and like $45 million. So we're bringing him in at 10.9, 11.4, 11.4, 11.4. They already signed the signing bonus, the roster bonus, all the other front end, the the front loaded stuff. We get him for four years and 45 million. This is fantastic. My first reaction in terms of the draft, now that I know the Bills have given up their first rounder this year, was I thought that there would be a very good chance that they draft a defensive end in 22 because there's a lot more depth at wide receiver in this draft and maybe to trade up in the second round and move back up or get up a little bit in round two for a receiver. So now we know we got the receiver. We're not, we don't have to worry about a receiver. That's not to say they won't take another one in the draft. In fact, I'm quite sure they will because they still want to add to that room. Isaiah McKenzie was not tendered. That doesn't mean he won't be back. That meant that they're not going to pay that $2 million tender or whatever. But right now they got their three receivers. So let's just leave that at that. Now, what you were just talking about a few minutes ago, and again, this is literally in real time. Now I think it's more important to get a defensive end, a veteran defensive end right now, because now you're not looking at being able to get one at 22. That's no longer an option. Now they got to go to the second round, and I'm not sure you want to get a rookie second round defensive end and expect to plug him in and have him be a significant part of a rotation. I mean, you do still have Trent Murphy, but I kind of feel like if they're going to make this move, and I guess, you know, how we were just talking too, about building, you know, the core and this and that and going out and taking that green light and going for it. This is a we're going for it move right now with getting oh, 100%. with getting digs. That kind of leads me to think that maybe they, you know, maybe they're not going to spend 15 million dollars on a defensive end, but I think they're going to go out and get a, a veteran defensive end for sure now. I agree 100%. I think that this is a absolute key win now move. 
and the ability to go and be able to bring in that kind of talented difference maker is is critical to the trajectory of the team and to the roster. And I, I'm ecstatic. This is fantastic, fantastic news. How bad does this make the Houston Texans look? I was already planning on talking to you a little bit about this oh. near the end because they trade DeAndre Hopkins as much as I love Stephon Diggs. I mean, I think DeAndre Hopkins might very well be the best receiver in the NFL. Certainly one of the top two or three for sure. He goes to Arizona and they get a second and a fourth in David Johnson. And plus, Houston gave up a fourth. I still am puzzled by that trade. I was to begin with. And now that I see what the Bills gave up, a first, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth. A first, a fifth, a sixth, and a fourth from next year. That's a lot more to give up to get digs than it was for Arizona to land Hopkins. Well, Arizona's already in contract talks with DeAndre Hopkins, who wants $20 million a year. And that the trade was because Houston wasn't going to give him $20 million a year. And then you compound that to somehow Bill O'Brien values David Johnson as an asset. So I was joking earlier and saying that, you know, Bill O'Brien and Brandon Bean going back and forth. And O'Brien was like, hey, you know, what would you guys think about Devin Singletary in your first? And, you know, you know, the Bean thinks about it. It's like, well, I'm not really sure. And O'Brien says, well, you know, you got to make a move because – I already got Arizona willing to give me David Johnson and their second round pick. And Bean goes, wait, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so if O'Brien is valuing David Johnson as an asset, it's it's impossible to, you know, how do you beat that? Like he he's already making a horrible decision. It's, it's impossible to be able to balance, you know, how that fits in. But yes, that was grand larceny. This is a fair trade. We we traded the fair amount. For Stefan Diggs, we didn't get screwed. I don't care. The fourth, fifth, sixth round picks just don't matter. Those are nonsense. Um, we traded a first round pick for Stefan Diggs, and that's what he should cost because he's worth a first round pick when he's under very reasonable contract control. So he signed through 2023. So the bill, he's yes, under contract 26, through 27, 28, 29. His, his four peak seasons. Yeah. 10.9 million is base salary becomes fully guaranteed on Friday. Adam Kaplan is reporting right now. By the way, thoughts and prayers to our guy, Joe Marino. <laughs> I know he's just on your show recently. We were talking on Twitter, what, maybe an hour or so ago? And he had taped his show for Tuesday. <laughs> and he yeah. just, remember he said, I'm scared to leave for a half hour or whatever. He had to go tape his show because nothing was happening <laughs> since he left or since he taped his show. First it was J.J. Clyde and now Stefan Diggs. Which, by the way, for people out there listening, we're kind of getting lucky right now because Greg and I were supposed to hook up maybe an hour or so before we did. Greg's got a kid and you had to wait for the kid to fall asleep. And the kid stayed up a little bit later and crashed out. And then we had some stuff that we had to take care of before we started taping. So we kind of got lucky that that we got this on the podcast. My my son knew what we needed to be able to do to to get the right content (laughs) out there. Yeah. We just we just traded for a receiver with 365 catches, 4,600 yards, and 30 touchdowns. I'll tell you. That's a bad bad man. <laughs> Let me ask you this. I, I kind of want to still get back to the offensive line because I was talking initially about quitting Spain and saying how I liked that deal when I first heard about it. Three years, 15 million, I think only like maybe four and a half or so of that was guaranteed. Something like that. 5.4 or 4 million guaranteed. Something around that range. I don't remember exactly. But here's my point. I liked it right away and then when I saw some of this money going out to some of these guys, on day one of tampering, that made that deal look so much better. 
That's a great deal. One of the better deals that I think Brandon Bean has signed a starter to. Since coming here as general manager, he was on a one-year prove-it deal last year. Well, he proved it. He earned himself a payday. And for him, he wanted to be here quite clearly because he didn't even test the market. He got what he wanted and he signed. And now when you look at some of these other contracts that some of these guys have gotten today, man, that's a great deal for Quinn and Spain. I really like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really was a fantastic value, um, especially when you see Eric Flowers getting $30 million and some of these other obscene deals that are out there and that we locked up Quentin Spain for three years, $15 million, That's witchcraft. It, it was a, a fantastic value. It was, but critics of it, and I don't necessarily critics of Quentin Spain, but I know there was a lot of people out there that were really hoping that Cody Ford was going to play guard. And I kind of feel like Spain represents him and Feliciano starting and Ford probably going back to right tackle and maybe competing with Inseki. Do you feel that's the case, that he's pretty much going to be locked in the tackle? Or, hey, maybe Ford could still play guard. I mean, it's not written in stone. I like John Feliciano, and I thought he had a very good season last year. But that's not to say that Cody Ford still can't slide inside the guard if either Inseki looks really good at right tackle or if they go draft somebody and or pick someone up to a trade or free agency that looks good. It's not like Ford can't play guard. It just feels like he's pretty much locked in a tackle for right now. You know, you could probably go just cut out my comments about Trent Murphy and Shaq Lawson and just splice them in here. I think it it increases the likelihood. I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a guarantee. You know, give me until Thursday. If we don't sign a right tackle tomorrow or Wednesday, then yes. I, I think that it's now very, very likely that he stays there. But if we sign a guy, obviously we're in a window that's going pretty serious right now. And being able to go, you know, from that standpoint, that will change everything. Then all of a sudden it's the luxury of competing with, you know, Feliciano and Ford for one starting guard spot. And then you're bringing in the plug and play right tackle. So I think there's a lot of things that can change between now and then, but I agree it's more likely, obviously, after bringing back uh, Quentin Spain than it was uh, before signing him. One last spell thing here, too. Jordan Phillips, I'm going to be honest with you, Greg. I thought it was a foregone conclusion for many weeks now that he was gone, and that still very well could happen. But I haven't heard him connected to anyone today. So if he was looking for that really big overpay contract. Maybe that's not coming. There was a reason. Maybe there was a reason why he wasn't ranked nearly as high on a lot of these free agent lists by some of these uh, quote unquote reputable websites. I thought he deserved to be ranked higher nine and a half sacks last year. But here's, I guess what I'm getting at is maybe it's not a foregone conclusion that he won't be back. If he, he likes Buffalo, if he can't go out and get that big deal, Maybe he does return. I hadn't heard him connected to anyone. And by the way, deal for Kevin Johnson as well. I thought when Josh Norman signed that that would be the end of uh, Kevin Johnson, but Bruce Nolan talked about that, that he would like to have him back. I haven't heard him connected to anywhere either. So maybe one of the, both of those guys still might end up back here in Buffalo. I, I think it's absolutely in play. I, I think that those things, you know, always happen. You look at how, you know, how good Quentin Spain was and how long he sat out there when you now built the culture and the locker room that we have and you're able to now put guys into a position where you know that you're going to be able to be your best self, you're going to stay healthy, you're going to have great facilities, and you're going to be able to come in and play, 
you know, maybe they'd be willing to come back and say, hey, I'm going to give it another shot next year, but I want to be a part of this, what we have going on. Um, I absolutely think that's an option. I still can't get over Stephon Diggs being a Buffalo Bill right now. I'm just uh, trying to process this all as we continue on with this podcast. I already was going to ask you before this. Obviously, we won't need to talk about a receiver anymore. The last Bills-related thing I wanted to ask you was, give me a couple guys that you would like to see going forward them target. Now, you talked about defensive end. Is there anyone else out there that you're looking at? Because now I don't know, man. They got the number one receiver. They got Lorenzo Alexander's replacement. And by the way, both these things happen after 9, between what, 9.30, 10 p.m. on Monday night. I mean, death, I really don't know. Bill's Mafia after dark. That's right. Bill's Mafia after dark. I feel like now they're one defensive end away from saying, I'm good, man. Maybe we'll get, oh, actually a backup running back too. I'd like to see him get a veteran number two running back. Who are a couple running backs that you wouldn't mind seeing? So I threw out Carlos Hyde, who I think is similar to a Jordan Howard. You talk about a, you know, maybe a Chris Thompson. If you want to push uh, TJ Yeldon's role, I wouldn't mind Peyton Barber, I think is very similar in the vein of a Jordan Howard or Carlos Hyde. So I think there's some guys like that out there. I probably wouldn't mind going more of the draft route. I I don't hate TJ Yeldon as a third running back. So if we draft somebody who's talented, you know, but I I think Jordan Howard makes a lot of sense. He's a name that I like that's out there. Um, I wouldn't mind Jermaine Effetti as a guy that could push on the, at that right tackle spot. Um, Obviously I like Brian Bulaga, but it sounds like that's not really in the cards uh, of what's out there from a defensive end. I know I've, I've said Robert Quinn a lot. That's my number one target, but Dante Fowler, Mario Addison, Everson Griffin, Marcus Golden, um, I think there's some defensive tackles that make sense. You know, Linval Joseph was a really interesting name that got cut loose. I know DJ Reader was a bigger price guy that was out there. Um, I like Xavier Rhodes and Mackenzie Alexander, who both also shook loose out of Minnesota. Um, you know, that Jaron Curse is a guy, you know, Javon Curse's cousin, uh, and was a guy who was basically the big nickel and special teams gunner for Minnesota, and he's he's got a lot of value. So there's a lot of names that are out there that uh, I think could be really exciting. I got to go back to Stefan Diggs one more time because, again, this is all fluid and information is coming in. We're taping this in real time. His, uh, it's a four-year. He's got four years, $47.5 million left on his cap hits. Our $11.5 million, 12, 12, and 12. Wow, dude, that's freaking cheap, bro. That's it's cheap. amazing. It's cheap. And $9 million in dead cap space for the Vikings, which means absolutely nothing to us. Those are really good. That's a great deal by Brandon Bean. I got zero problem at all with that trade. If anybody says they gave up too much because Hopkins got had for a lot less, then they don't, you just don't know what you're talking just wait, about. Wait until DeAndre Hopkins signs a four year, $80 million right. deal as an extension. And then you'll see why the price tag was what it was. Absolutely. It's the same reason that Calais Campbell went for a fifth rounder. It's not that he's not good. It's that he's 34 and he costs $16 million. Right. You know, those things matter. We just traded for a 25 year old about to turn 26 who makes $10 million. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Let's spend a couple of minutes here as we wind down. I just want to go through a couple of the bigger NFL moves on Monday. 49ers made a big trade too. They acquired a Pro Bowl defensive tackle to force Buckner. I'm sorry, the Colts acquired him from San Francisco in exchange for a first round pick, the 13th overall. Uh, Buckner's making $21 million a year, second highest paid defensive tackle in NFL history. And it's not been confirmed, but there's heavy rumors that Phillip Rivers is going to be going to Indy on a two-year deal. Uh, what else we got going on around the league? Cleveland Browns, they're, they're the offseason paper champs again. 
They get it's up. funny. I, I actually thought they had the best day today because even the guys that they did bring in, I thought were a good value. I, sure. I thought that Jack Conklin went for a little bit less than I thought. Austin Hooper went for a little bit less than I thought. Um, signing Case Keenum as a backup is a nice play. Um, it was actually the you know that kind of situation. Josh Allen just tweeted out, "You dig." Um, it oh, just boy. makes makes my life happy. Um, so I actually thought the the Browns had a nice uh, you know day today, but I'm done predicting that they're going to play well. Well, I'll tell you this: Baker Mayfield's got to be out of excuses. He's got the right tackle. He's got one of the better tight ends in the NFL. Now they got the tenth pick of the draft. They're probably going to get another offensive tackle. And yeah, they Jezzo, should make a left tackle there. Yeah, he's absolutely so. He's out of excuses. The other team that had a very busy and productive day is Miami, of course. We already talked about Shaq Lawson. They also signed Eric Flowers, a guard, three years, $30 million, 19 and a half guaranteed. That's a lot of money. Byron Jones becomes the highest-paid corner in the NFL, and I'm sure that's going to be a benchmark for what ultimately Trey White will make. But anyway, kudos to Miami for going out and getting the top cornerback on the market, and then they got the linebacker from New England, Kyle Van Noy, four-year deal worth $51 million. God damn, Miami spent some cash today. I'll tell you real quick, Greg, I know this is football and not hockey, but I, I kind of want to make a statement about Miami. Last year, a lot of people thought they were tanking early in the year. You remember that. I know I did, too. They weren't. And they played very well at the end of the year. They didn't tank. They they played hard all year. They played well at the end of the year. They beat New England. I mean, ultimately, they cost New England a, a bye in the playoffs because they went to they Foxborough. Ended their season. They, they ended. may have ended Tom Brady. Yeah, absolutely. So... Here's my point. The the argument all these years later with the Buffalo Sabres is because they tanked, obviously, to get Jack Eichel or Connor McDavid. And ended up, they ended up getting Eichel. Yet you build that losing culture, that losing mentality in the locker room, and it really carries over, and it could have a consequence for years. I feel like Miami did the right thing last year. They didn't tank. They kept playing hard, even though they were outmanned, and they played to win. They won enough games that I think they built confidence in that organization. They learned how to win some games. A lot of young players on that roster last year, they got a good coach, obviously cap room. And I feel like to some extent, at least that's why they're able to go out and get attract some of these free agents. Now, of course, money's the biggest factor, but my point is they kind of built a little bit of a winning culture as silly as that sounds because they were not good as a whole last year, but they built a little bit of a winning culture by not tanking. And I kind of feel like that helped them get a couple of players that they got today. My, I'm not certainly not saying Miami is going to be a contender to win the AFC East this year, but there are no pushovers either. I kind of like the way this, this team, the direction they're going into. Yeah, I think that obviously the biggest piece is Brian Flores showed how much value he has as a coach, what he was able to win that late, you know, and with that little talent that was there. Mm-hmm. I think that he earned the players' respect. Yeah. And he showed that he's capable of a lot more. Now you have a crazy treasure trove of talent and and uh yeah draft picks that you're able to utilize. And they obviously went out and I, I think they overspent. I think they overpaid for Byron Jones. I think they overpaid for Callum Vanoy. I think they overpaid for Shaq Lawson. But all three players are good. So, you know, if you're overpaying by a little bit, but you're adding three really good players, it's hard to argue with that. Now, I think $30 million for Eric Flowers is an abomination under any circumstance. <laughs> but, 
you know, in yeah. the grand scheme of things, you're adding three really talented defenders to a really smart defensive coach who now has three first round picks and two second round picks. Miami's going to be better next year. They're heading the right direction. And I agree with your comments from a culture standpoint. I think they did plenty to be able to earn people's trust. Last few things here. The Raiders sign on Monday night, Marcus Mariota to a deal. I don't know how that's going to play out. I don't think that deters him from potentially trying to get Tom Brady or Jameis Winston or anybody else because I feel like if the Raiders sign a guy who they think is going to be the starter, I think they'll get rid of Carr one way or the other. Nothing on the Tom Brady front. I've been saying on this podcast and tweeting it out for weeks, well before the Vegas odds came out, I really think that if it's not New England, that Tom Brady's going to Tampa. My gut tells me that he would prefer to stay in New England, but I feel like maybe... New England's not as interested in bringing him back as we thought. I don't know how much in, I don't know how much influence Bill Belichick has in that, or they're not going to get him the guys that he needs. I feel like the best thing for Tom Brady at this age and this stage of his career, if he went to the NFC, because Baltimore stacked, Kansas City stacked. I really like the way Indy's looking. Tennessee went to the AFC Championship last year. I really don't think it's where it's at New England anymore. And plus, I just don't think that they want him as much as a lot of other people do. Or do you think I'm way off? Because, I mean, we'll probably find maybe people are hearing us on Tuesday. By lunchtime on Tuesday, Tom Brady will be re-signed with New England or playing somewhere else. But, like, what's your gut tell you? What's your hunch tell you about Tom Brady right now? I've always thought that Bill Belichick was making football decisions while other teams were going to be making business decisions and how much – Brady means from a ticket sales, PSL, marketing capability, and that they're going to be willing to pay more. And that part of this is that very clearly Brady hasn't felt respected over the the previous years and wants to just be shown that he is special. He's not just part of the Patriot way and some plug and play replaceable piece. He wants you know, Bill to acknowledge to him that, no, I, I am special. I am different. And I wanted to be okay for you to say that to me. And from everything we've heard, that's not what happened in, in the uh, phone call that took place between those two. So, you know, I, I just think that it's something that, you know, I, I think it's still more likely than not. I know that the, um, I know that the betting, favorite shifted today and I don't take that lightly because Vegas isn't in a habit of losing money so you know I I get it that they shifted the favorite to now being him going to Tampa Bay but I still am going to stick to the same thing I've said the entire time I'll believe it when I see it I will believe Tom Brady is not going to be the Patriots starting quarterback when I see someone else take the first snap for them in September and not a second before him. <laughs> I hear you there. I still feel like ultimately he wants to go back there. I just not sure that that's a, a two way street anymore. So let's just say I'm right. And let's say that he does sign with Tampa Bay or I guess anyone else for that matter. The bills just went out and they got Stefan Diggs. Are the Buffalo bills, the 2020 AFC East favorites. If that happens, if no Tom Brady are the bills, the favorites right now, the bills just traded for Stefan Diggs. We're the favorites anyways. You think so? Even with Tom Brady, <laughs> they're the fi- no. maybe in your heart, maybe in your heart they are. I don't know about yeah, uh, about course, your brain, any, but <laughs> any time that you still have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, what is if you don't though? But what is if you don't? Against that, if it's Andy Dalton and Bill Belichick, a hundred percent, we're the favorite. All right. Now maybe it's 
the Bills are favored to win nine and a half games and the Patriots are favored to win nine. It's not like they're going to come, you know, falling down to earth. But Jamie Cowan's left today and so did Calvin Oy. And, you know, they're having other players leave and go elsewhere that I, I don't think are minor in, in that sense. So, you know, I, I think that they gave up a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu. So it's not like they have a full treasure trove of, of uh, draft picks to go after. So I'm I'm curious where that's going to net out. And of course, if Tom Brady goes back, they are the favorite. If Tom Brady doesn't go back there, they're just a regular football team with a really smart coach. And that doesn't always win. Let me give you guys listening one more as we get wrapping this up right now. One more reason why you should never complain about the Bills overpaying for Stefan Diggs. Again, more breaking news. It's 11 p.m. on Monday night. And Adam Schefter is reporting that Amari Cooper intends to re-sign with the Dallas Cowboys on a five-year, $100 million deal. Five <laughs> years, $100 million. And again, you go back to the Bills. Having Diggs under contract through 2023 at salary cap numbers between roughly 11 and 12 million. That's why you give up four picks, including a first for a guy like Stefan Diggs. Amari Cooper, five years, $100 million. Wow. Unbelievable. So on that note, we're going to, we're going to end this here. Let people know who are listening right now, when the podcast is and uh, all the information about cover one, which by the way, I'm a premium member. Love it. Eric Turner is literally one of my favorites. When it comes to breaking down film, there's nobody he's, better. I mean, it's he's it, a maniac. It, he really is. It, it's insane. And once the free agency, like the first week or so goes, and I really start to lock myself into the draft, I become a cover one junkie. So let people know. Tell them about the podcast, though. Like I said, it's kind of transitioned a little bit, and now you're having guests on routinely. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We're, we're just going through kind of breaking it up, but there's a ton of other guys, you know, Christian Page, Russell Brown, Zach Hicks, Brad Kelly, Eric, doing just tons of draft breakdowns. So come on over, check out everything that's going on there. Um, I'm going to, you know, go live with shows throughout free agency. We're going to do ramp up uh, for additional potential signings and all kinds of different exciting things. So uh, we have a lot of good stuff going on over there. Come on, check us out at CoverOne.net. Come on, ch check out the show on YouTube and everywhere that you can find podcasts, at, you know, same place that you're listening. Uh, it's a Pat's great show. Come on over and find us at Cover One Buffalo. And uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. At Greg Thompson on Twitter. Bro, thanks for doing this with me. Thanks for making podcast so fun, history man. with this me awesome. because to be on the air with you and have one of the biggest trades in franchise history, I knew if I did enough podcasts, something ridiculous would happen while I was actually taping. And I'm I'm glad you were on for uh, with me for it. Absolutely. This was a lot of fun, man. All right, folks, that is going to do it for today's episode. Very big thank you again, Greg Thompson from Cover One. Always good stuff with Greg. Also want to thank today's show supporters, Audimute, Sounds Assured, and of course, 26 Shirts. Guys, real quick here, if you have not done so already, please go ahead, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. Only takes a minute, really helps me continue to grow the podcast. You can also check us out on YouTube, Moranalytics Podcast, got our own YouTube channel, some Highlight clips from current and past episodes. Got some original audio content going up there as well. Of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. I'm always tweeting out podcast updates, promos, upcoming guests, polls, prize back giveaways, all kinds of stuff like that. I'm on Twitter all the time. Again, at Pat Moran Tweets. Thank you 
so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. I say it all the time and I mean it. I know there's so many other podcasts out there. So when you're spending time listening to this, it means a lot to me. So thank you very much. As always, especially now more than ever, stay very safe. Do what you got to do. Stay safe. And we'll be back. Brand new episode on Friday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.